Welcome, everyone, to the CFF Commissioner's Corner Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio, as always, by my co-host and CFF expert, Mr. Jeremy Butterball Van Curen. Butter, how are we doing this afternoon, bud? I'm a good man. How about yourself? Doing well, man. I actually I got out uh, a little bit early this afternoon, went to the driving range, and hit some hit some balls here in Oklahoma City, man. It was kind of nice weather this afternoon, right? So 65 degrees in uh, February. Can't bitch about that, right? No, hell no, man. It so, was pretty nice. Enjoyed that. Uh, got to go hit the hit the white ball for an hour or two, and uh, had a good time there. But uh, man, big day in college football, butter. So national signing day right now. It's it's bifurcated now, right? So obviously we have an early signing period in December, and then this is you know early February. Uh, typically the traditional signing day as uh, from what you and I remember way back in the day. So so we're going to talk about recruiting. We're going to talk about the return of perhaps the greatest video game franchise of all time, Butter. So we're super excited about that. And I know Twitter has been ablaze uh, about uh, the return of EA Sports College football. Uh, we've got some other moves, some other coaching moves, some transfer notes and all that fun stuff, Bud. But before we get into it, as always, Got to show some love to our favorite sports bar, and of course, that is Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben Chad and the whole Chalk team on the web uh, at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. It's the best damn sports bar in Oklahoma. There's no better place to have a conversation about college football and watch all the games and all the recruiting analysis as well uh, on the dozens of big screens there at Chalk. Always the favorite. That's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The best damn sports bar, period. Absolutely. And you may have heard this on on our sister pod here on the Sports Pros Network, uh, the YSO pod regarding golf. Again, trying to encourage people to get out there and play some golf, especially you should have been out playing golf today, right, because the weather was uh, incredible here in Oklahoma City on this Wednesday afternoon. Turn in that scorecard, write uh, write the YSO pod or You're Still Out podcast on there. We're going to put you in for a drawing for a table for four on Masters Sunday Uh, In April, again, that will be open until March 31st. Um, Looking forward to that. And if you turn in that scorecard, you'll get half off your sandwich or burger uh, there on your tab at Chalk as well. So play more golf, eat more Chalk. Everybody's a winner. You come out for the Masters Day that we had at Chalk back in November, right, Butter? Had a good time. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, it was was pretty fun. I mean, um, you know, I mean, it was uh, COVID, you know, so, I mean, we had had to behave ourselves. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, but, I mean, had a pretty good, pretty good time. I, I took the boy up there, took JJ up there. Uh, he got to hang out and got to be on the air. So, I mean, it was a pretty fun little Saturday. Yeah, that was a good day, and we we'll look forward to doing that again in mid-April. It'll be here before we know it, Butter. Well, we got to get into this lead story, Butter, because I know that you're absolutely chomping at the bit. Right, we're going to save the recruiting analysis for a little bit later on in the pod. We're going to dive into that, uh, a spin around the Big 12, obviously take a look at the uh, local schools here in OU and Oklahoma State, as well as the uh, the big schools across the country from a national importance standpoint. But the news broke earlier this week. EA Sports sends out a simple yet elegant tweet, Butter, that college football is coming back. We all knew exactly exactly what it meant whenever we saw it. You and I were texting each other. The phones are blowing up back and forth. We think back to that old franchise, NCAA football, right? It's been eight years since they last made a game for that franchise. You know, obviously the player name and likeness kind of factored into it. The Ed O'Bannon lawsuit from many years ago, EA Sports decided to hang it up. They finally announced that it's coming back. It won't come back this year, right? So there won't it won't be in 2021, most likely going to be in 2022, most likely geared towards these next-gen consoles, your PS5 and the Xbox uh, equivalent, whatever the new Xbox is. I'm, I'm not sure. But you had to be fired up for this because you think about how many hours we wasted in college, Butter, playing this stupid game, right? So this game was incredible, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think how many hours I still waste playing it because um, <laughs> so you and your boy still play the 2014 yeah, version, well, right? We play 2014 and we play the the 2011 version with Tim Tebow. I've on got it. that one yeah hooked up and, right here in the studio. And then um, the 2014 version had uh, shoelace uh, from Michigan on there. So I mean, um, one of the things that had changed like uh, over you know the the couple years between those games is like the 2014 version. Uh, you have to have uh, a hotspot or or internet. So, I mean, it just kind of depends on where we're at. Uh, whenever it's hooked up, I mean, if our internet is good, sometimes two thir- 2014 will work. And if not, we just put in 2011. And, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's still, still one of my favorite games uh, of all time. I mean, 
my little boy JJ. Like we've got, uh, we've got a couple, so, several dynasties that um, we work on. Then like he's uh, created his own player. Uh, we've done quarterback, running back, defensive back, wide receiver. Um, I mean, w- we've spent lots of time playing that. I mean, I think, I think the dynasty that we're on right now. I think we uh, decided to rebuild uh, Army. And I mean, if if any of you guys know Army, I mean they're a they're an option football team. They run the ball, and so we're trying to uh, get away from the option, and uh, we're actually making them kind of a more of a spread attack, um, and we throw the ball. So <laughs> bring that offense into the twenty first century, yeah. right, Butter? I love it. I love it. Now you mentioned that two thousand eleven game, which I believe was the last year that the game was made for the PlayStation 2, right? So kind of that old generation, you know, PS3 came out shortly uh, after that. And I've got that one hooked up here in the studio right now. We've got kind of a smaller TV and a PS2 and a PS3 set up here. Uh, whenever we're not recording pods, to some of the guys in the background are oftentimes playing the video games or whatever it may be. But uh, I've got a dynasty going with the TU, Tulsa Golden Hurricane there. The old school, G.J. Kinney. Going yeah. way back. That's how old that game is, but he's the uh, the starting quarterback uh, for the uh, Golden Hurricane. But you, know, you mentioned about creating a player. You know, obviously some of the talk has been about the player uh, name, image, and likeness and how that's going to factor into it. It sounds like that might be factoring into, without them coming out and saying it, EA Sports's decision to maybe delay to see what Congress does. Those those hearings are coming up later this year mm-hmm. to kind of see how they're going to treat that. And I thought it was telling that uh, the the EA executive that uh, that kind of had most of the interview, I believe, I believe Daryl Holt was his name, uh, vice president, general manager there of the EA Sports, had kind of said, hey, look, we're changing the name of the franchise, right? It's going to be EA Sports College Football, and the NCAA name would be dropped. But he, he kind of sprinkled in a little bit of foreshadowing there, saying, hey, look, we feel that this is a better path forward as to the name of the franchise. And I think that they're – might be some smoke to that fire with regards to the NCAA essentially being removed in its capacity to oversee Division One college football, as we know what we think about the FBS now, football, Souls, football bowl subdivision. Thought that that was somewhat telling, Butter, that they changed that name intentionally and for a reason, not knowing perhaps whether the NCAA, how much influence it would have on college football in the years to come, right? So, uh, but, but, you know, get back to the gameplay, you know, the most important part of it to me is the gameplay. But you talk about building a dynasty and creating a player and all these other nuances. You know, have you given any thought, Butter, to what new, you know, facets to the game that you would like to see? You know, what what new types of nuances that you would like to see being brought into this new franchise? And again, we expect it to come out next year. Well, I mean, one of the things that um, that they've kind of shot away from the last um, the last two or three years of the game is and and you know, I mean, it, 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 it it's going to change. I mean, because there's been a lot of great comebacks and a lot of great games since um, since the game was last out. So, I mean, uh, do you remember, like, uh, you could play uh, the Calvert-Stanford uh, game and, like, it uh, – it was like the, the yeah, scenarios, yeah, right? Scenarios, so you try to yeah. return the kickback yes. and do all the laterals and all that uh, stuff. The, yeah. The Doug Flutie versus Miami. Yep, the Hail I mean, Mary. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that, that they have, had got away from. But man, I mean, that was like some of the most fun stuff because you could actually uh, try to figure out, you know, I mean, how did they actually win this game? I mean, because some of that stuff was just downright hard. I mean, uh, I mean, it's one, one of the hardest things, I mean, um, is trying to block a kick trying to block a punt. I mean, I haven't ever blocked um, a punt, I know for a fact, on uh, on NCAA. Have you, have you ever blocked a punt? I don't know if I've ever blocked a punt. I remember blocking kicks. I've definitely yeah. blocked field goals and stuff in the past, uh, but I don't know that I've ever blocked a punt. I think you're right there. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I wish they would, whenever they um, revamp this game and bring it back out, I think that's one thing that um, that a lot of – the younger generation will will enjoy uh, that way. It's kind of on their mind, you know. I mean, like, man, this is one of the greatest games, you know. I mean that, uh, and it's a true kind of a true story, you know. I mean, because that's something that actually happened. 
Yeah, and you think about some of the features that EA Sports has had a lot of success with with their other franchises. When we think about FIFA, right? I'm obviously a big soccer nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, play FIFA, you the, the ultimate team, right? So you play the game, you unlock uh, uh, player cards, right, to kind of put with your FIFA ultimate team. You think about some of the uh, the things that they're able to do with Madden as well on the pro level. And again, that all ties back to the player name, image, and likeness, right? Being able to use players' names and likenesses, and we don't know how that's going to shake out. But what I, I, I think a lot of listeners maybe are aware of this, but maybe even some some others that don't get into the uh, video game nerddom uh, that, that you and I get yeah. in, but especially as it comes to sports games, is that there was a thriving online community that even though the game stopped being made in 2013, 2014, that there would be guys and gals that would go in and update the rosters year over year and do it manually, right? You'd have to go in and kind of type it in, save it on a memory card. Um, Oftentimes these things were, if if they weren't free, they would ask for a donation to kind of, you know, recognize the time and effort that went into it for 128 teams or 130 teams. It would take forever. But but I, I remember doing this as a freshman in the dorms at OU to where during the summer, the game would always come out the second Tuesday of July. And I would get the game. We'd buy the Phil Steele magazine or whatever, you know, preseason college football mag would be uh, would be out there. And we would put in the names and numbers and all the correct names and uh, depth charts of all the players for all 120 teams, however many teams it was way back then, 20 years ago, however long it's been now. And then we would sell that memory card to other guys and guys uh, that, that lived in the dorm to kind of copy that over so that they would have an updated roster going into the year each year. And it would, t- it would be about a month of, of work going into it, but uh, a lot of uh, late nights and, and a lot of beer being drunk uh, uh, over those late nights, but putting in the names on those rosters. But, yeah, we, we wasted a lot of hours on that video game back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember uh, either going over to your house or, or going over to Sean's, you know, I mean, and we – I mean, we would play – hours upon hours of this game i mean whether it be against each other or just uh, just messing around but it was so cool whenever uh we played on y'all's console i mean the players names were there so I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and again we would do it manually right so i don't know that we were violating any rules there i don't know maybe uh copping to a felony here by saying that we would put the names in but we would do it manually ourselves uh and uh, you know obviously Time and life kind of gets in the way as you, as you get older. You don't have as much time to dedicate to those types of projects. But that was always a lot of fun. It definitely kind of a rite of passage every single year, you know, over that summer, you know, kind of going from July leading up to Labor Day weekend. There was always a rush to get it done the week before um, that last weekend in August before games kind of kicked off. But um, we'll never forget those times. Uh, definitely a lot of late nights and, again, a lot of, uh, a lot of Miller lights and Coors lights being uh, drunk over those uh, uh, weeks uh, leading up to it. But uh, I'm excited for it to come back. Oh, I am too. I'm definitely. I think the, uh, you know, the, the overwhelming reaction – of pretty much everyone uh, being excited about this game coming back, right? So tons of athletes, tons of uh, uh, sports stars being super pumped about the game, being able to come back. You know, again, Twitter was kind of just blowing up over it uh, earlier this week. But, you know, it kind of begs the question as like, well, well, what took them so long? And I'm sure the player name and likeness and some of the lawsuits uh, that stem from the O'Bannon class action probably had something to do with it. But, uh, you know, again, per the ESPN article there with Daryl Holt, uh, just kind of felt like, hey, why, why not now, right? The time seems right. Let's bring it back and i bet this thing will make just a shit ton of money whenever they release the game butter well see so i'm like on a um oh like on facebook like i've got uh i'm like a member of a group and it's actually ncaa football group and like people still talk about like well who are you um who are you creating a dynasty with i mean what playbook do you use i mean so i mean i i still kind of follow that but you know i mean like one of the things um that, uh, that I read, I guess uh, it was either yesterday or it might have even been today. You know, I mean, you think think back about, um, like, a lot of the great uh, former players that that, that, that not only um, other schools, but just we'll just um, use OU, for example, that they've had um, that would have been just badasses on this game or would have been on the cover. I mean, you got to think, like, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, um Marquise Brown, uh, D.D. Westbrook, um, you know, I mean, Perkins, uh, Eric Stryker. I mean, uh, we've had some really, really good talent. And, um, you know, I mean, some of those guys, like if you 
were to put them in this game, I mean, would probably be some of the most unstoppable players. I mean, uh, think about Joe Burrow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he had a great tweet out there saying, all I ever wanted was to be on the cover of this game. And then as soon as I graduate and go pro, you guys bring it back. So he, you know, tongue planted firmly in cheek there as to like, hey, come on, EA Sports, you should have done this a year ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, a funny quote there, or, or tweet, I should say. And Kyler Murray, he, he was chiming in as well saying, hey, um, you know, looking forward to the next OU quarterback uh, to, get, to grace the cover as well. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's part of the fun, right? Is that was always... Um, and the good thing about EA Sports College football or NCAA football, as it was known then, is that it didn't seem to have the same curse associated with it that Madden always did. We always yeah. think about the cover athlete for Madden, right? Whoever it was going to be, they would inevitably always get hurt or have a terrible year uh, the year after they made the cover on Madden. But I don't think that that was necessarily the case uh, for NCAA. Again, typically it was always after a guy graduated or declared to go pro and uh, he was going to get drafted in the first round. So uh, it was at a good time, but uh, but not that same curse associated with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, talk about the Madden curse I mean that brings me back I mean like obviously probably the the biggest Madden curse was Peyton Hillis because uh, yeah Cleveland yeah, Browns fullback right well, yeah I don't know whatever happened to him but I mean <laughs> he didn't uh you didn't hear hardly anything of him after he was on Madden but you know I mean uh one of the things that I'm wondering if they don't bring bring this back you know I mean uh so you've pretty much got uh seven or eight years of uh of college football that um that hasn't been associated with this game. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things that um, that we could do, like whenever uh, we were playing against each other, and this was like uh, one of the first, uh, oh, the, the first few years of the game where you could take like the 96 um, or the, the – the 96 or 93, 94 Nebraska. Yeah, they all great, all yeah. time great teams. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm wondering, you know, I mean, um, if they might not, whenever they relaunch this, if they might not like, uh, yeah, it's do a good that idea. Again, you know, I mean, like, uh, yeah, 2020 Alabama, 2019 LSU, yeah, right? 2015 yeah. Clemson team or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that's a good idea. So getting some of those, uh, the teams that we missed out on, um, on that essentially almost Clemson, a decade, yeah, so. yeah a decade of absence there. So yeah, that, that's cool. That'd be kind of a neat feature to bring back. But I'm, I'm all about the gameplay, right? So I'm, I was one of those guys that kind of stuck with the PS2 gameplay. I didn't really like it whenever it switched over to the next gen at that time, which was PS3. I thought the players were a little more, again, I'm nerding out here from a video game standpoint. I promised listeners that we will move on to recruiting here in a moment, but uh, we, we love this game so much that we had to talk about it. But, you know, more, uh, it had too many, you know, the polygon shape of the players, right? So too many uh, sharp edges there and not, uh, I don't know. Again, I think the attempt was to make it more real looking, right? More lifelike, but, you know, it, it is still a video game, right? To a certain degree so I think the uh, you know maybe hearkening back to not arcade style but uh, but you know showing uh, uh, less um, and again I know the next gen next gen consoles are way better now so I'm excited to see what it'll look like on a PS5 or the new Xbox but uh, um, my my only beef or gripe there is that I want the gameplay to kind of go back to uh, what it looked like beforehand so but looking forward to that again we will talk more about that uh, once more definitive dates timeline schedules kind of come out with regards to the game's development. But again, won't be this year, won't be a 2021, but hopefully in the summer of 2022, uh, EA Sports College Football will return to us uh, and there will be a massive run uh, at Best Buy and all other <laughs> electronic stores uh, on the game. So uh, what are, before we get into recruiting, a couple other news and notes uh, that kind of popped up from a college football standpoint. You know, a couple of them were interesting um, Former stars, kind of essentially Hall of Famers uh, at their alma mater, were hired back into uh, not super well-defined roles, but they're going to be involved with the uh, athletic department uh, or the uh, football program yet again. Let's start with the first one, uh, Teddy Bruschi, right? Uh Hall of Fame linebacker, you think about the uh, New England Patriots uh, in what he was, uh, uh, you know, all those Super Bowl eras during the early 2000s with the Patriots and Tom Brady, right? He was a fantastic All-American uh, at Arizona back in the day at uh, kind of a uh, weak side linebacker, uh, rushed a lot, he got a lot of sacks back in the day too. He's coming back on with ESP, or I should say uh, with Arizona um, in some sort of, I guess, football consultant role. We don't really know what it's going to be, a senior advisor to the new coach, Jed Fish, but uh, your thoughts on Teddy Bruschi heading back to Arizona, Butter, and what can we expect there? Is it, is it going to be X's and O's? What's he going to be doing? Man, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, he's been doing um, – he's been a television analyst since, I mean, he retired from the Patriots, but, I mean, a well-decorated and um, 
just a really good good linebacker in college and and for the Patriots uh, as well. Um, you know, I mean, the connection is with uh, with Jed Fish. I mean, who who was a, a coach for the Patriots? You know, um, but I'm I think he's probably. I mean, it looks like he's going to be uh, one of those guys that's just kind of a hands on with the with the program. I mean, um, probably do just a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I mean, he knows defense, right? So yes. I, I, that's that's you know, one thing, but, you know, is he going to actually be in the box helping with defensive coordinators, kind of calling plays, right? Jed Fish, you know, kind of coming from a defensive background uh, with his role uh, kind of coming into uh, to Arizona here. And you, know, you hope that, that Teddy Bruschi can help with recruiting, right? That's one of the things that Arizona has struggled with in recent years, even under uh, Kevin Sumlin, uh, who I think for all intents and purposes was a good recruiter. Now, obviously, results kind of start catching up to you. And, uh, you know, if you're not winning games, then it's not going to work out there. But, uh Keep an eye on that one. We'll be interested to see how Bruschi's role kind of develops and, and maybe we'll get more news and uh, 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 understanding on what he's going to be. But, you know, another one, Butter, that was kind of interesting and kind of the second time around here, but uh, former Longhorn great quarterback Vince Young uh, coming back to the Texas Athletic Department, not necessarily football in particular, uh, but he's going to be rehired uh, as a special assistant. Now, I don't really know what that is. He had a gig with the Texas Athletic Department a couple of years ago and then was essentially let go because, you know, it came out that he wasn't showing up to work. So um, you hope that Vince Young's in a better place right now. I think his issues after, you know, kind of uh, getting out of the NFL – Hit have have been up there, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he he's he's had a bad go of it. I think uh, probably trusted the wrong uh, financial advisors. You know, ended up losing a lot of money in that regard, and uh, uh, has had some issues. So so you hope that you know maybe he's in a better place now, uh, and that this will uh, be a, a positive for not only for Vince Young but for the University of Texas as well. But your thoughts on this one? Buddy? Well, I mean, I, with with Vince Young, I mean, uh, you know, I mean Heisman Heisman uh, Trophy winner. I mean, uh, led the led the team to the 2005 uh, national championship over Southern Cal, you know I mean? Uh, gets drafted early, you know I mean? And kind of has a, just kind of just like a, not a great NFL career. I mean, he had some, some mishaps. Flashes. With, yeah. Flashes. With mishaps with money. Um, I, and to me, I mean, I think uh, him coming back to Texas, I mean, this is a position that I'm, I'm assuming that, and this is what I would hire him for. I mean, um, you know, I mean, you got these young athletes that are coming into Texas, um, and they're kind of looking like uh, they're they're still growing up. They're young. I mean, uh, they're trying to get responsibility. Some of these guys have a chance to to go on to the NFL. You know, I mean, some of these guys, you know, I mean, they play four years at Texas, and they're going to have to go out into the real world and get a job. I mean, but bringing in uh, Vince Young, I think – they're going to probably bring him into some sort of position to try, try to help these people grow as a, as a football player and kind of help these people grow as a football player. And for for the guys that are going to the NFL and guys that are actually going to going off to, to work after they get done with, with, uh, with their college football career. But I mean, he could teach them from his life lessons of what, what happens, you know, I yeah. mean, um, oftentimes it's um, better to learn from what not to do as yes. opposed to what to and do. So, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think that that's, I mean, he, he can, he can go in and, uh, talk to these guys and say, Hey, look at me. Don't make the exact same mistakes that I made because this is what, what happened. You know, I mean, I had, you know, $20 million and I ended up having to file for bankruptcy because I didn't listen to the right people. And, um, you know, I mean, learn from my mistake. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. So I, I think some sort of advisory role, you know, knowing that, you know, UT, not maybe not so much in, in recent years, uh, perhaps due to player development and uh, in, in things of that nature. But, you know, traditionally, UT's always put a lot of players into the NFL and guys kind of making that step and, uh, you know, kind of advising that role. But then also, you know, hopefully having a, a good advice for the guys that maybe don't make it as well. I, I would imagine that, you know, maybe at some point in time he will uh, – uh, perhaps be involved in some sort of recruitment with uh, Quinn Ewers down there in Texas, right? The number one quarterback in the 2022 class who's, who's, who was committed to Texas, 
decommitted uh, after it looked like Tom Herman wasn't going to make it uh, and end, end up committing to the uh, Buckeyes. But uh, I would imagine that's pretty high on Steve Sarkeesian's uh, priority list to say, hey, look, the number one quarterback and the number one player in the state of Texas next year, we can't let this guy leave the uh, the state borders. We had to uh, flip this kid back to UT uh, and uh, maybe uh, – uh, Vince Young can share some uh, uh, war stories about what it means to be the uh, University of Texas quarterback whenever the team is good. Well, because he's still got one more year of high school football left, correct? He does, yep, yeah. He'll yep. play He'll okay. play in 2021. He'll be in the class of 2022, so yep, yep. Uh, but uh, seems to be the real deal uh, down there uh, in Dallas, so well, I, mean, I would expect him to be a good player. Really, all I mean, all he's done is, I mean, he's verbally committed to Ohio State. Yep. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that would be a – that would be a good job. I mean, that would that, that would have to be. I would assume that Sarkeesian is going to put that put uh, Rabbit in um, in Vince Young's ear and say, "Hey, look, we got to get this guy. Yep. We do not need to let him leave the state of Texas because, I mean, we he needs to be on our football team." Absolutely. And, and if I'm a Quinn Ewers, I'm probably listening again, right? So you, you see what Sarkeesian's done uh, with the Alabama quarterbacks over the last couple of years, and his offensive mind has never. Uh, never been questioned and uh, seems to be, again, in a much better place. We've talked about him on the pod in recent weeks as well. Uh, so maybe it, uh, a little more attractive to uh, to play for UT again. And, you know, we don't know what the personal relationship with uh, with Tom Herman was either. So maybe that was what was attractive about UT. Uh, maybe that uh, that hurts UT a little bit. But I would think that uh, the hire of Sarkeesian, if I'm a uh, top-rated high school quarterback in the state of Texas and, and Texas wants me, I, I definitely have to listen. Well, I mean, and you also think about Steve Sarkeesian – um, the quarterbacks that he's had, let's just say the last three to four years at uh, at Alabama. I mean, you got two at Tonga Vailoa. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Miami Dolphins. Okay. Mac Jones. He's going to be a top fifteen draft pick. Yep. Um, you got Jalen Hurts, who started quite a bit for the Eagles this this year. So I mean, um, he knows track how to, record he, speaks for itself. He knows how to. Uh, recruit and he knows how to coach up a quarterback and um, make them better players. Yep, I agree. So, well, that's probably as good a transition as we're going to get, Butter, to dive into uh, National Signing Day, some of the results, right, uh, in the class rankings uh, that uh, our, our friends at 247 Sports, right, they're obviously the best in the business with regards to following of uh, recruiting, um, in particular college football. So they do a fantastic job. Not going to profess to be a, an expert in college football recruiting, although most of the news and stories and tidbits and uh, 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 following that I do is with the 247 Sports guys. So, again, they do a fantastic job. We've got their website brought up in front of us here. And so and I would advise all of our listeners, for any, any of your recruiting needs, uh, you would certainly want to go out there and check out 247 Sports in that regard. But, I mean, I guess we start at the top, Butter. Surprise, surprise. Or perhaps it's not a surprise. Alabama Crimson Tide, the number one recruiting class for the class of 2021. 27 total commits, seven five-stars, Butter. 16 four-stars, an average rating of 95 across the board. The question was whether or not this would be the highest-ranked recruiting class of all time. Not sure if it got to that point yet or not. I don't know what the historical records are, but... Uh, Nick Saban does it again, and again, we we shouldn't really be that surprised, should we? No, I mean uh, Nick Saban. I mean he's a heck of a recruiter, you know. I mean, um, what's uh, what's funny is like you know, I mean um, he gets like he gets guys, you know. I mean that, um, and I'll just use this as an example: um, the kid that w- that went that was from Tulsa that plays for uh, the Raiders. Yep, Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, Josh yep. Jacobs. You know, I mean. Wasn't very highly recruited. I think he was a three-star, maybe a borderline four-star guy. I mean, people knew about him, but he yeah. wasn't a super-duper star. That's right. Wasn't very highly recruited out of high school. Uh, he gets him to come to Alabama, and look where he's at now. I mean, um, just a great, I mean, decent, pretty pretty good uh, college career, and then uh, gets drafted uh, pretty high by the Oakland Raiders, uh, which is the Las Vegas Raiders now. Um, and... He's a starting running back. <laughs> yep. And, and for Alabama, it really starts in this this class in particular, this 2021 class, it starts with the offensive line, which, again, uh, you think about some of the guys that they put into the NFL here over recent years. I mean, the Leatherwood kid, I think, at tackle is probably going to be a first-round draft pick this year. Um, you know, Wills uh, that uh, went for the Browns, I think, right? He was a first-round draft pick uh, for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland uh, last year. 
I mean, J.C. Latham, uh, almost a, a 99, uh, almost a perfect score from a uh, offensive lineman uh, standpoint of the IMG Academy. Uh, Tommy Brockermeyer, which was kind of a big deal, right? Because they were they're Texas kids, right? And everybody thought that they uh, they assumed uh, that the uh, the Brockermeyers would commit to UT. That didn't happen. Uh, he's headed to Alabama. He's right behind J.C. Latham again. Seems like the tackle position, uh, both right and left left tackle for Alabama's in good hands for years to come. Uh, Dallas Turner. Weak side defensive end, another great one there. And then one that we were following pretty closely that kind of stung from an OU perspective, uh, Butter, was that of running back Kamar Wheaton, right? He had kind of narrowed it down to pretty much OU and Alabama was the final two. Uh, fingers crossed that we were hoping that uh, Kamar Wheaton, Kamar Wheaton uh, would sign for Oklahoma. He didn't. He signed for Alabama uh, in the early period there. But, uh, I mean, just a, an incredible class from top to bottom. I mean, they're, they're going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing that – Eventually, we're going to have to figure out some way to get over that hump. Um, you know, I mean, now do getting I, into the final two or final three with a lot of these super duper five stars, five stars. But yeah, but OU, they're just not getting as many if, of them as the if, other. If schools, we yeah. if we could just get a couple of them, you know. Yeah. But you know, I mean, uh, with Nick Saban being at Alabama, I mean, you know, I mean, with uh, his track record, with uh, as many, with, with with the dynasty that he is building down there, I mean, um, it he's hard to recruit against, you know? I mean, um, so, I mean, it's one of those things, like, we're, we're going to have to pick the battle. I mean, obviously, I mean, we can't we can't go head-to-head with um, Alabama with him being down there uh, recruiting year after year. So, I mean, but do I think that there's going to be some uh, some guys that we do get when we're going up against them? Yeah, but, I mean, we're, we're not going to get them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, rounding out that top five, Butter, again, some familiar names here. Ohio State, number two. Georgia Bulldogs, number three. LSU, number four. Clemson, number five. Uh, Clemson, you know, maybe a little lower in the rankings with regards to the overall number of commitments, right? They only had 19 commitments, but their average uh, composite was really, really good at a 94. So uh, they're in good shape. You know, I was somewhat maybe surprised or impressed, uh, depending upon what you want to call it, Butter, is Oregon and yeah. USC up there in the top 10. Oregon at number six and uh, USC at number eight, uh, respectively, 22 and 23 commits there. Uh, obviously, the state of California, big gets for most of the kids between those two schools from a Pac-12 standpoint. But from a Pac-12 standpoint, it was Oregon and USC, and then there was a big drop-off from the mm-hmm. rankings there. So those two are certainly certainly would seem to be poised to be battling it out. Uh, and then they're in opposite ends of the, uh, the conference, right? So obviously, USC being in the Pac-12 South, Oregon being in the Pac-12 North, uh, they squared off in the Pac-12 championship this year under somewhat weird circumstances given Washington couldn't play due to COVID, but uh, probably the Pac-12 championship that we're looking at for many years to come now, right? Right, yeah. Um, and uh, another thing that you look at, you know, I mean, um, LSU and and Michigan, with their down years, I mean, both of them still had, Bounced back. Uh, they did well. had, had, yep. had top 10 classes, you know. Um, and then the other one, you know, I mean um, – is Texas A&M. I mean, honestly, Texas needs to be where Texas A&M is at. I mean, they need to beat them in recruiting every single year. But, yep. I mean, uh, with the, the downfall that they've kind of had, you know, I mean, uh, which, you know, I mean, if, if you go through four or five coaches in a 10-year period, I mean, it's going to hurt your recruiting because who knows who's going to be there. Um, so, I mean – but hopefully Steve Sarkeesian can can get it back on track. Uh, but lose to OU. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and from an Aggie perspective, again, they did it up front, right? Big boys up front broke the offensive and defensive lineman, uh, lines uh, in this recruiting class, but they were able to hold on uh, to a, a four-star running back, L.J. Johnson, right? It seemed like Texas was making kind of a late move to try to get him to flip his commitment, uh, but he did go ahead and sign with the Aggies earlier today, and that's a big get from a running back standpoint there. Good player. D- do you think that they'll ever bring back that uh, Texas A&M versus Texas game? Man, it's got to happen eventually. We're going to see OU and Nebraska next yeah, year, right? Yeah, so that game's yeah. going to come back after the conference realignment. I think OU and Nebraska square off on September 18th of 2021. Lord willing, right? COVID and everything else. So let's hope it comes together. But yeah, it, it's it's got to happen. There was talk, a couple times we got close in bowl game matchups, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. it's got to come back, Butter. But so. I mean, honestly, I mean, Texas A&M versus Texas – do you realize like how much that helps your recruiting, like in the state of just, just if you win, if you in, win in the state of Texas, yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, and and that might be what Texas has to do to get back 
I mean, up above them. You know, yeah. I mean, get, get, to get back to where I mean, I, I, I'm used to seeing Texas. I mean, ha, have a top ten recruit, recruiting class just because they have so many more kids to choose from. You know. Yeah, and speaking of the Longhorns, they're, they're 17th uh, in uh, 247's final composite rankings here for the 2021 class. Uh, some some big name guys, right? So uh, Jatavion Stan, uh, Sanders of Denton Ryan, a you know, big time athlete there. Uh, J.D. Coffey, the uh, the center from Kennedale, uh, and then uh, another DB and uh, Ishmael Ibrahim of Kimball, kind of the Houston area down there. So uh, they're going to get really good players, right? Uh, 21 commits this year, one five star, nine uh, four stars. So not quite at the level from this initial recruiting ranking standpoint is what we're used to uh, from the Longhorns. But again, that was probably to be anticipated with the change in coaching and uh, a little bit of uncertainty there. But I think uh, it won't take Sarkeesian long to rectify uh, that situation there. But uh, Longhorns, um, number two in recruiting behind our Sooners, Butter. So you want to talk about OU here now? We kind of, we've danced around it or alluded to them a couple of times. Um, not surprising that a quarterback and a wide receiver kind of lead the uh, the line here for OU in this recruiting class. Obviously, Caleb Williams, the number one overall quarterback recruit for the 2021 class out of the D.C. area. Right, He actually moved to Norman, I think, in what September, right? So mm-hmm. he's actually been here uh, uh, and uh, is ready. Uh, I, I may have already been enrolled. I think he's enrolled in classes now. Um, but uh, number one overall quarterback. And then one of the top overall wide receivers as well, uh, Mario Williams. Uh, just I've seen some of his highlights, Butter, and he – Tyreek Hill is the first thing that kind of jumps out at you. He is explosive. Not a big guy, right? 5'11", 178 pounds. Um, but the speed, uh, it, it shows up on film. I mean, he's got a different gear than uh, most other guys do. But uh, your thoughts on this OU class? Again, they come in ranked 11th, Butter, in 247's composite rankings. But you and I were talking about before we started the pod, uh, I think part of that is volume, right? Only 16 commits, one five-star, 12 four-star, so good there. But – you know, it doesn't account for the guys that OU had in the transfer portal as well. Right? You think about Eric Gray of Tennessee, Wanya Morris, uh, Micah Bowens from Penn State. Right. Um, had a, the uh, offensive lineman come in from Arizona as well. So they, they've actually got more guys coming in in this cycle that don't necessarily show up uh, in this uh, uh, list of commitments here. So, you know, in, in OU's overall composite score on an average basis is actually fifth in the country whenever you stack it up, uh, even though the overall volume, I think, is probably what's hurting or holding this OU class back at number 11 here. But your thoughts on the class, uh, what to expect from it? Well, you know, I mean, uh, with Caleb Williams and Mario Williams and then plus the guys that uh, we actually already have, you know, I mean, Spencer Radler, Kennedy Brooks, um, the guys that we have coming back and the guys that we have that uh, signed, and I think the future is so bright that I got to wear shades, you know. <laughs> I mean, that offense is going to be good. There's no doubt about it, right? So, but you had some, you know, Clayton Smith, defensive end uh, out of Texas High, right? 6'4, 220. Uh, he was a 98 uh, on uh, 247 rankings, right? A, a high four star, not quite a five star, but pretty darn close. But, you would expect him to be able to can come, come in and compete uh, and make a difference there. And then some of the guys along the offensive line, too. Savion Bird, a big guard out of Duncanville uh, there in South Dallas. And then another wide receiver, Jalil Farouk. Uh, he was very highly recruited as well, 6'1", 200 pounds. A little bigger wide receiver comparatively to uh, Mario Williams. So maybe a guy that can play out there uh, on the, uh, the split end or flanker side. And then Williams probably projects to be a slot guy. Uh, and uh, might, you know, those deep routes, man, we were used to seeing it with mm-hmm. uh, with Hollywood, uh, Marquise Brown. So, but uh, um, he jumps off the film for sure. But I, I mean, probably most excited about Caleb Williams, right? So, yeah. I mean, the quarterback position at OU over the last few years has obviously been incredibly productive. Uh, you would anticipate that that will continue with Spencer Rattler here in 2021. You know, Rattler may have a decision to make to make at the end of the 2021 season, right? Depending upon how he does, how he does. I mean, he'll be three years removed. Uh, he can uh, declare for the NFL draft should he choose to. Uh, and Caleb Williams is probably not a guy who's coming in to sit on the bench for two or three seasons, right? So, and I think that's part of the process there. Uh, but uh, I mean, he he seems to have all the tools, uh, and he will fit in quite well. Uh, kind of maybe a, a hybrid a little bit, right? So throws the ball really well, but mobile as well. Not quite as big as a Jalen Hurts, but uh, but certainly his game film shows that he's mobile and can move and run the ball a little bit too. So um, I'm excited about um, again, maybe the 2022-2023 season before we see him take a snap, but he's going to be a good one. Uh, no doubt about it. But let's let's keep scrolling down the uh, list here, Butter. Uh, well, okay, one more thing. I do have one one question. Okay. Hit me. With the um, 
everything that's going on at Tennessee, I mean, I, I see that they're ranked number 16. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I would say that's a pretty good recruiting class uh, since you've uh, fired and got a new coach. Able to hold last, on to 21 commitments, yeah. Within the last two weeks. Um, so what my question is, is all that binding? Um, I mean, do you think all those guys will are in it for the long haul? They'll be there for Hypo, or do you think some of those guys signed early, and that's taken into account um, the the guys that signed early? Yeah, it is. It's taken into account the guys that have signed early as well, and you know, haven't seen a whole lot of news about guys being asked to be released uh, from their letters of intent. You would assume that if the they McDonald's do, McDonald's bags work. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, you you would assume that uh, if they do ask that uh, that Tennessee will do the right thing and release those kids, uh, given the uh, the turmoil that uh, they've kind of endured here over the last 30, uh, 45 days. But haven't heard a whole lot about it. So I think this is taking it into account that they did sign, that they haven't you know asked to be released or that they haven't been granted the release. But uh, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on there, Butter. It's a good, good call there. But uh, before before we move on, I want to round out the top 10 here, right? So we talked about the top five, uh, six, Oregon, as we mentioned, seven, A&M, uh, uh, Texas A&M, the Aggies, eight, USC, nine, Notre Dame, and then 10, Michigan. OU obviously checks in at 11, as we mentioned. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes in Florida, back-to-back there down the state of Florida at 12 and 13, North Carolina 14, and the Wisconsin Badgers uh, rounding out the top 15. But, you know, some schools that are a little further down, Butter, that I think probably had really good recruiting classes here, kind of given the context and where they were at from the uh, landscape of college football, Ole Miss at number 18, Mm -hmm. Maryland at number 19, the Cornhuskers at number 20, and then Arkansas at number 24. Uh they have to have some excitement behind those fan bases right now, right? So seems like the lane train, he's got it rolling down yeah. at Ole Miss, and uh, he followed it up, 25 commitments against seven four-stars, a lot of three-star guys, but, um, I mean, Ole Miss might be a team to look out for. They they went heavily uh, on defense, which they, you would they expect them. To. They yes. needed to, yes. right? So uh, Taiwan Malone, uh, probably their number one overall recruit, big defensive tackle, 6'4", 305. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's going to be a really good one as well. And then uh, core, uh, quarterback Luke Altmyer. Right uh, from there at Starkville, a 62-190, a four-star guy there at the quarterback position. You expect him to be a good one moving forward as well. But uh, Lane did good, or did well, I should say, uh, on the recruiting trail, which isn't a surprise. But, you know, I think the one that most jumped out to me, Butter, was Maryland, right, and what Mike Loxley's been able to do up there. Always a ton of talent in the D.C. area, kind of Virginia, Maryland, uh, and and, uh, in and around those areas there. But, man, at number 19, I mean, that's a pretty good class for Maryland, especially given the seasons that they've had here. Right, yeah. I mean, and like I said, it looks like they went a lot on defense, which, I mean, uh, they've obviously got a quarterback that they're going to – that's going to yeah, be Yeah, the younger tongue of Vailoa. But, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, Maryland looks like they did a really, really good job on defense, just like Ole Miss. I mean, and you got to think back to Ole Miss. I mean, they went um, blow for blow with uh, Alabama, but Ole Miss just couldn't stop them. You know, I yep. mean, it was a it was a track meet and a high scoring game, but um, Ole Miss had the firepower on offense, but they could not come up with a stop. Yeah, and and again, I think Arkansas is another one that jumps out to me. Butter there at number twenty four, uh, they were as high as number twenty one at one point, but it fell back a little bit as other guys kind of signed and uh, jumped ahead of them uh, somewhat. But uh, you know, I think what Sam Pittman's doing there, you know, I think Arkansas overachieved to a certain extent as though you know, even in a weird COVID year, uh, they were competitive in a lot of games, won some games that. They probably didn't have any business winning right now, to be honest with you. But, uh, again, a lot of help on offense there. Uh, Keetron Jackson, a wide receiver, uh, probably their their top overall recruit, uh, bringing in some good athletes in A.J. Green and Raheem Sanders. Um, uh, Jalen Williams, defensive tackle there, um, 6'3", 3'10", big guy to kind of clog up the run in the middle. So I think uh, he'll be a good one for the uh, Razorbacks as well. But Arkansas kind of putting together a good class. Yeah, I mean, and I think they also got – two or three guys from the state of Oklahoma 
Um, uh, Tulsa's always been a good recruiting yeah. area for yeah. Arkansas. It yeah. is. Yeah, Fayetteville, not that far away. Uh, always were able to uh, pull some guys out of Booker T uh, and some Tulsa of the Union, other yeah James, bigger yeah. bigger high schools there in the Tulsa area. So you're right. But uh, taking a snapshot of the Big 12, Butter, again, we talked about OU and Texas uh, obviously being one and two from a conference standpoint, number 11 and 17 respectively. Uh, Oklahoma State checks in at third. Uh, they were further down the list from an overall uh, national standpoint. Uh, West Virginia right behind them. Uh, the Cowboys checked in at number 39 in the rankings. West Virginia, number 40 uh, for, again, thir- third and fourth place, respectively, uh, in the Big 12 overall. Oklahoma State getting 20 commits. Um, West Virginia ended up with uh, just 16. So, again, I think volume probably holding back uh, West Virginia to a certain degree. Uh, but let's talk about the cow- uh, Cowpokes for a moment here, Butter. Uh, Aiden Kelly. Thomas Bay Custer, right? So uh, a local kid, right? So uh, out in, uh, that's probably what, Class A, Class 2A football right there, if I had to guess, man. So uh, 6'3", 275, defensive tackle, big four-star. I think it's Class A. Yeah, yeah, he was probably dominating at that level then. Bryson Green, a wide receiver out of Allen, Texas, 6'5", or uh, 6'5", foot and a half, I should say, 203 pounds. Colin Oliver, the other biggie there, inside linebacker, 6'2", 220, another uh, local kid there. So, um, you know, a, a, a good class, right? Uh, I, I guess you would say for Oklahoma State. I think you know Mike Gundy's expectations is that they should be in the top 25 every year. Uh, but I think Oklahoma State's always had certainly on the offensive side of the ball, a really good job of finding those diamonds in the rough, right? Maybe guys that aren't you know four or five stars, but maybe they're three stars that develop uh, into five stars whenever it's all said and done. So I think the jury's still out. We'll we'll see uh, how the pokes do uh, in the, uh, the years to come with regards to this class. But you know, one of them that stood out to me, Butter, that we got to talk a little bit about, they they just narrowly missed the Kansas. top 50. <laughs> Less miles in the Kansas Jayhawks, Butter. What is going on there? So they, they were in the 48-49 range earlier in the day. Again, some other guys got some – other teams got some commitments, and so they fall out of uh, the 247 Sports top 50. But Les Miles put together a class up there, man, 22 commits – uh, so good volume, a lot of three-star guys, as you would anticipate with uh, with KU right now, given the state that they're in. But they got some good players in, right? So uh, led the offensive side of the ball, big time, right? So Quaterius uh, Davis out of Dallas Skyline, big wide receiver there, six foot one ninety three. Uh, Devin Neal, uh, running back there, uh, locally 5'11", 208. So uh, and then Conrad Holly, a big quarterback uh, uh, there out of the, uh, I, I want to say it's on the Kansas City. Uh, 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 Suburb there, Raymore, uh, Peculiar, Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. But a big quarterback there coming in. But uh, seems like the Jayhawks have some help on the way, right? Well, yeah, but, I mean, how they outdueled and out-recruited K-State, I mean, is very, very, very mind-boggling. Um, yeah, K-State finished 56th overall. Yeah, Man, uh, I mean, props to Les Miles. I mean, Les Miles, I mean, even whenever he was at OSU and LSU, I mean, he can get players. Um, you know, but I mean, Kansas is just not as, um, it doesn't have as good of window dressing as OSU and LSU. That's right. Well, I mean, both Kansas and Kansas State out-recruited Iowa State in the rankings, right? Iowa State all the way down at 59. Now, again, what Matt Campbell's been able to do with the recruiting classes that he's had over the last three years is, is definitely remarkable, but you think about you know, what a great year that Iowa State had, right? Playing mm-hmm. in the Big 12 Championship and going toe-to-toe with the Sooners, right? They go out to the Fiesta Bowl and put a butt-whooping on Oregon, Oregon there yeah. and, and have a ton of guys coming back and the momentum that they have going into 2021, you would have thought that that would have maybe translated to a higher ranking or an overall better recruiting class. Now, again, what he's been able to do with the talent there, you can't argue with it, right? So, uh, you know, these recruiting rankings, they are, they're not, you know, they're, they're more, a little more art than science, right? I think when it's all said and done. So, uh, we'll see uh, how that class turns out. But I, w- I was surprised to see the Cyclones that low, given what Matt Campbell's been able to build there in Ames over the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, I mean, um, he, he gets the most out of his players. I mean, he can take a, a three star recruit and, turn him into a damn uh, Heisman finalist or at least uh, somebody that's on the watch list, you know? Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's, that's a lot to say for, um, for Iowa state. I mean, who at one point in time was uh, kind of a, the doormat in the big eight and then the big 12. But I mean, obviously, I mean, he's got that program turned around and I mean, he's getting, getting solid, solid uh, players and solid recruits. And, um, 
man, I mean, those guys play, um, they play smash mouth football and they play, um, good football as well, you know? So, yep, absolutely. And again, kind of, you know, tying it in Texas tech obviously rounds out the, uh, the bottom of the big 12 and rankings there, but you know, from a local standpoint, butter, you got to go all the way down to 126th in the recruiting rankings here on two, four, seven, the Tulsa golden hurricane had an outstanding year, butter. And absolutely. Mm-hmm. You think about the losses, right? Last second. Well, I mean, close game, you know, close loss to Oklahoma state in September. They win all their games last second, close loss to Cincinnati in the conference championship. And then, you know, had a, uh, a poor showing obviously what happened after the game uh, in that armed forces bowl down in Dallas against Mississippi state. And so that was kind of an ugly situation to end the season there uh, for the Tulsa golden hurricane. But you would think that with the wins that they were able to put together and how close that they were, again, that would have translated to more commitments and a better class, but TU only nine commits. Uh, so, so somewhat surprising there. It felt like maybe TU was building on something and kind of had something to go. But from a local standpoint, would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on the Golden Hurricane here. Uh, but probably not the recruiting class that Coach Montgomery had in mind there, right? No, I mean, I wouldn't think so. I mean, like, uh, your, um, your best player, uh, who was actually a Heisman finalist uh, and won um, – what, yeah, the Nagurski Award, the, right? Nagurski so, Award, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I mean that's something to build on. I mean, uh, one of the guys that I was really actually hoping that would sign with OU uh, is Owen Ostrowski. Yeah, Holland Hall, right? So, yeah, yeah big uh, big defensive lineman, I think, right? So, um, and I was hoping that OU would somehow that he would somehow uh, wind up at OU. But I mean, obviously, I think his dad went to Tulsa. I think his dad might be like in the Hall of Fame there. Uh, his dad played in the in the NFL for some time, but um, it was it Jerry Ostrowski? Was I that his so, name? Yeah. I think the dad's yeah, name. Yeah, 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 I remember that name. So, uh, yeah, some some ties there and some some good genetics, if nothing else, right? Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, the Holland Hall, one of the uh, 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 private schools there in Tulsa, but one of the powers too, from what three A football? I want to say. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're 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 pretty salty year in year out. Uh, up there in the uh, the Tulsa area. So, well, well, Butter, we're up against the hour mark here, bud. So, again, we, we did a deep dive on recruiting. Again, we're not going to profess to be recruiting uh, experts and uh, kind of following the message boards th- throughout the year, but we obviously do pay attention to it uh, on National Signing Day and uh, wanted to give it some love and attention here on the CFF Commissioner's Corner podcast uh, and feel like we've done that. But, again, the big news from, from a nerd standpoint, from our perspective, Butter, was the return of EA Sports College yeah. Football. I, again, I cannot wait. We'll be counting down the days uh, for that release date. But, uh, but you know, we're in the offseason here from a CFF standpoint, Butter. So, obviously, dynasty leagues, there might be some trades being contemplated. We're waiting for fan tracks, just like so many uh, other of our listeners are uh, that are out there and follow CFF to kind of roll over the leagues. Again, probably going to have to wait until March 1st until the uh, seniors that could normally – declare for the NFL draft, whether they make that declaration or decide to come back. So uh, probably have another few weeks to go in that regard. But if they're out there contemplating some off-season moves, some trades, butter, how can they get at you? How can they get with you, the fantasy professional, uh, to get some CFF expert advice? Okay. I'm on Twitter at Jeremy underscore Van Curen or AKA the fantasy professional. And that is J E R E M Y underscore V A N C U R E N or AKA the fantasy professional. And like Keith said, I mean, we're working on some, some really big things. Um, so just stay tuned. Looking forward to releasing some of that stuff. Uh, here over the weeks and months to come, Butter. Well, again, brother, I appreciate you riding shotgun with me here in studio. Uh, we're going to do it again. Oh, college football, we might take another week off, kind of given that it is in the off season, but obviously had to do a pod for National Signing Day today. Uh, but we'll be back next week, certainly on the Fantasy Professionals podcast, to recap the Super Bowl on that. But uh, our listeners can get at us there. So, well, gang, while this will wrap it up for this episode, remember the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, Check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the recruiting rankings this weekend, uh, and we'll talk to you next week, everyone. Take care. <laughs>